0: Chapter 19 Of The Hour of the Dragon by Robert E. Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 19 In the Hall of the Dead. Conan moved cautiously in the direction of the light he had seen, his ear cocked over his shoulder, but there was no further sound of pursuit though he felt the darkness pregnant with sentient life. The glow was not stationary. It moved, bobbing grotesquely along. Then he saw the source. The tunnel he was traversing crossed another, wider corridor, some distance ahead of him, and along this latter tunnel filed a bizarre procession. Four tall gaunt men in black hooded robes, leaning on staffs. The leader held a torch above his head a torch that burned with a curious steady glow like phantoms they passed across his limited range of vision and vanished with only a fading glow to tell of their passing their appearance was indescribably eldritch they were not stygians not like anything conan had ever seen he doubted if they were even humans They were like black ghosts, stalking ghoulishly along the haunted tunnels. But his position could be no more desperate than it was. Before the inhuman feet behind him could resume their slithering advance at the fading of the distant illumination, Conan was running down the corridor. He plunged into the other tunnel and saw, far down it, small in the distance, the weird procession moving in the glowing sphere. He stole noiselessly after them, then shrank suddenly back against the wall as he saw them halt and cluster together as if conferring on some matter. They turned as if to retrace their steps, and he slipped into the nearest archway. Groping in the darkness to which he had become so accustomed that he could all but see through it, he discovered that the tunnel did not run straight, but meandered and he fell back before the first turn, so that the light of the strangers should not fall on him as they passed. But, as he stood there, he was aware of a low hum of sound from somewhere behind him, like the murmur of human voices. Moving down the corridor in that direction, he confirmed his first suspicion abandoning his original intention of following the ghoulish travelers to whatever destination might be theirs he set out in the direction of the voices presently he saw a glint of light ahead of him and turning into the corridor from which it issued saw a broad arch filled with a dim glow at the other end on his left a narrow stone stair went upward and instinctive caution prompted him to turn and mount the stair the voices he heard were coming from beyond that flame-filled arch the sounds fell away beneath him as he climbed and presently he came out through a low arched door into a vast open space glowing with a weird radiance He was standing on a shadowy gallery from which he looked down into a broad, dim-lit hall of colossal proportions. It was a hall of the dead which few ever see but the silent priests of Stygia. Along the black walls rose tier above tier of carven-painted sarcophagi. Each stood in a niche in the dusky stone, and the tiers mounted up been up to be lost in the gloom above. Thousands of carven masks stared impassively down upon the group in the midst of the Hull, rendered futile and insignificant by that vast array of the dead. Of this group, ten were priests, and though they had discarded their masks, Conan knew they were the priests he had accompanied to the pyramid. They stood before a tall, hawk-faced man, beside a black altar, on which lay a mummy in rotting swathings. And the altar seemed to stand in the heart of a living fire which pulsed and shimmered, dripping flakes of quivering golden flame on the black stones about it. This dazzling glow emanated from a great red jewel which lay upon the altar, And in the reflection of which the faces of the priests looked ashy and corpse-like As he looked Conan felt the presence of all the weary leagues and the weary nights and days of his long quest And he trembled with a mad urge to rush among these silent priests clear his way with mighty blows of naked steel and grasp the red gem with passion taught fingers But he gripped himself with iron control and crouched down in the shadow of the stone balustrade A glance showed him that a stair led down into the hall from the gallery hugging the wall and half hidden in the shadows He glared into the dimness of the vast place seeking other priests or votaries, but saw only the group about the altar in that great emptiness The voice of the man beside the altar sounded hollow and ghostly. And so the word came southward. The night wind whispered it, the ravens croaked of it as they flew, and the grim bats told it to the owls and the serpents that lurk in hoary ruins. Werewolf and vampire knew, and the ebon-bodied demons that prowl by night. The sleeping night of the world stirred and shook its heavy mane, and there began a throbbing of drums in deep darkness, and the echoes of far weird cries frightened men who walked by dusk. For the heart of Ahriman had come again into the world to fulfill its cryptic destiny. Ask me not how I, the utter themes of Kahemi and the night, heard the word before Thoth-Amon, who calls himself Prince of all Wizards. There are secrets not meet for such ears even as yours, and Thoth-Amon is not the only lord of the Black Ring.' I knew, and I went to meet the heart which came southward. It was like a magnet which drew me unerringly. From death to death it came, riding on a river of human blood. Blood feeds it, blood draws it. Its power is greatest when there is blood on the hands that grasp it when it is wrested by slaughter from its holder. Wherever it gleams, blood is spilt, and kingdoms totter, and the forces of nature are put in turmoil. And here I stand, the master of the heart, and have summoned you to come secretly, who are faithful to me, to share in the black kingdom that shall be. Tonight you shall witness the breaking of Thoth-Ammon's chains which enslave us, and the birth of Empire. Who am I, even I, Thoth-Uttethemes, to know what powers lurk and dream in those crimson deeps? It holds secrets forgotten for three thousand years, but I shall learn these shall tell me he waved his hand toward the silent shapes that lined the hall see how they sleep staring through their carven masks kings queens generals priests wizards the dynasties and the nobility of stygia for ten thousand years the touch of the heart will awaken them from their long slumber. Long, long the heart throbbed and pulsed in ancient Stygia. Here was its home in the centuries before it journeyed to Acheron. The ancients knew its full power, and they will tell me when by its magic I restore them to life to labor for me. I Will rouse them will waken them will learn their forgotten wisdom The knowledge locked in those withered skulls By the Lord of the dead we shall enslave the living I Kings and generals and wizards of old Shall be our helpers and our slaves Who shall stand before us? look this dried shriveled thing on the altar was once thoth Mekri, a high priest of set who died three thousand years ago he was an adept of the black ring who will tell us of its powers lifting the great jewel the speaker laid it on the withered breast of the mummy and lifted his hand as he began an incantation But the incantation was never finished. With his hand lifted and his lips parted, he froze, glaring past his acolytes, and they wheeled to stare in the direction in which he was looking. Through the black arch of a door, four gaunt, black-robed shapes had filed into the great hall. Their faces were dim yellow ovals in the shadows of their hoods. Who are you? ejaculated the in a voice as pregnant with danger as the hiss of a cobra. Are you mad? To invade the holy shrine of Set? The tallest of the strangers spoke, and his voice was toneless as a Kithian temple-bell. We follow Conan of Aquilonia. He is not here, answered the utothemes shaking back his mantle from his right hand with a curious, menacing gesture like a panther unleashing his talons. You lie. He is in this temple. We tracked him from a corpse behind the bronze door of the outer portal through a maze of corridors. We were following his devious trail when we became aware of this conclave. We go now to take it up again, but first give us the heart of Ahriman, Death is the portion of madmen, murmured Thothothemes, moving nearer the speaker. His priests closed in on cat-like feet, but the strangers did not appear to heed. Who can look upon it without desire? said the Kithian. In Kithia we have heard of it. It will give us power over the people which cast us out. Glory and wonder dream in its crimson deeps give it to us before we slay you a fierce cry rang out as a priest leaped with a flicker of steel but before he could strike a scaly staff licked out and touched his breast and he fell as a dead man falls in an instant the mummies were staring down on a scene of blood and horror curved knives flashed and crimsoned snaky staffs licked in and out And wherever they touched a man that man screamed and died at the first stroke Conan had bounded up and was racing down the stairs he caught only glimpses of that brief fiendish fight saw men swaying locked in battle and streaming blood saw one Kithian fairly hacked to pieces yet still on his feet dealing death when the utterthemes smote him on the breast with his open hand, and he dropped dead, though naked steel had not been enough to destroy his uncanny vitality. By the time Conan's hurtling feet left the stair, the fight was all but over. Three of the Kithians were down, slashed and cut to ribbons and disemboweled, but of the Stygians, only the utterthemes remained on his feet. He rushed at the remaining Kythian, his empty hand lifted like a weapon, and that hand was black as that of a negro. But before he could strike, the staff in the tall Kithian's hand licked out, seeming to elongate itself as the yellow man thrust. The point touched the bosom of Thothothemes, and he staggered. Again and yet again the staff licked out, and Thothothemes reeled and fell dead his features blotted out in a rush of blackness that made the whole of him the same hue as his enchanted hand. The Kithian turned toward the jewel that burned on the breast of the mummy, but Conan was before him. In the tense stillness the two faced each other, amid that shambles, with the carven mummies staring down upon them. "'Far have I followed you, O king of Aquilonia,' said the Kithian calmly down the long river and over the mountains, across Poyntain and Zingara and through the hills of Argos and down the coast. Not easily did we pick up your trail from Tarantia, for the priests of Asura are crafty. We lost it in Zingara, but we found your helmet in the forest below the border hills, where you had fought with the ghouls of the forest. Almost we lost the trail again tonight among these labyrinths. Conan reflected that he had been fortunate in returning from the vampire's chamber by another route than that by which he had been led to it. Otherwise we would have run full into these yellow fiends instead of sighting them from afar as they smelled out his spore-like human bloodhounds with whatever uncanny gift was theirs. The Kithian shook his head slightly, as if reading his mind. "'That is meaningless. The long trail ends here.' "'Why have you hounded me?' demanded Conan, poised to move in any direction with the celerity of a hair-trigger. "'It was a debt to pay,' answered the Kithian. "'To you who are about to die, I will not withhold knowledge.' We were vassals of the king of Aquilonia, Valerius. Long we served him, but of that service we are free now. My brothers by death and I by fulfillment of obligation, I shall return to Aquilonia with two hearts, for myself the heart of Ariman; for Valerius the heart of Conan. A kiss of the staff that was cut from the living tree of death the staff licked out like the dart of a viper, but the slash of Conan's knife was quicker. The staff fell in writhing halves. There was another flicker of the keen steel like a jet of lightning, and the head of the kithen rolled to the floor. Conan wheeled and extended his hand toward the jewel. Then he shrank back, his hair bristling, his blood congealing icily for no longer a withered brown thing lay on the altar. The jewel shimmered on the full, arcing breast of a naked living man who lay among the moldering bandages. Living? Conan could not decide. The eyes were like dark, murky glass under which shone inhuman, somber fires. Slowly the man rose, taking the jewel in his hand. He towered beside the altar, dusky, naked, with a face like a carven image. Mutely, he extended his hand toward Conan, with the jewel throbbing like a living heart within it. Conan took it, with an eerie sensation of receiving gifts from the hand of the dead. He somehow realized that the proper incantations had not been made, the conjurement had not been completed, Life had not been fully restored to his corpse. Who are you? demanded the Cimmerian. The answer came in a toneless monotone like the dripping of water from stalactites in subterranean caverns. I was Thothmekri. I am dead. Well, lead me out of this accursed temple, will you? Conan requested his flesh crawling. With measured mechanical steps, the dead man moved toward a black arch. Conan followed him. A glance back showed him once again the vast shadowy hall with its tiers of sarcophagi, the dead men sprawled about the altar, the head of the kithin he had slain stared sightlessly up at the sweeping shadows. THE GLOW OF THE JEWEL ILLUMINATED THE BLACK TUNNELS LIKE AN ENSORCELED LAMP DRIPPING GOLDEN FIRE. ONCE CONAN CAUGHT A GLIMPSE OF IVORY FLESH IN THE SHADOWS, BELIEVED HE SAW THE VAMPIRE THAT WAS AKIVASHA SHRINKING BACK FROM THE GLOW OF THE JEWEL, AND WITH HER OTHER LESS HUMAN SHAPES SCUTTLED OR SHAMBLED INTO THE DARKNESS. THE DEAD MAN strode STRAIGHT ON, LOOKING NEITHER TO RIGHT NOR LEFT his pace as changeless as the tramp of doom. Cold sweat gathered thick on Conan's flesh. Icy doubts assailed him. How could he know that this terrible figure out of the past was leading him to freedom? But he knew that, left to himself, he could never untangle this bewitched maze of corridors and tunnels. He followed his awful guide through blackness that loomed before and behind them, and was filled with skulking shapes of horror and lunacy that cringed from the blinding glow of the heart. Then the bronze doorway was before him, and Conan felt the night wind blowing across the desert and saw the stars and the starlit desert across which streamed the great black shadow of the pyramid. Thothmechri pointed silently into the desert and then turned and stalked soundlessly back to the darkness. Conan stared after that silent figure that receded into the blackness on soundless, inexorable feet as one that moves to a known and inevitable doom, or returns to an everlasting sleep. With a curse, the Cimmerian leaped from the doorway and fled into the desert as if pursued by demons. He did not look back toward the pyramid or toward the black towers of Kahemi looming dimly across the sands. He headed southward toward the coast, and he ran as a man runs in ungovernable panic. The violent exertion shook his brain free of black cobwebs. The clean desert wind blew the nightmares from his soul, and his revulsion changed to a wild tide of exultation before the desert gave way to a tangle of swampy growth through which he saw the black water lying before him and the venturer at anchor. He plunged through the undergrowth, hip-deep in the marshes, dived headlong into the deep water, heedless of sharks or crocodiles, and swam to the galley, and was clambering up the chain onto the deck, dripping and exultant before the watch saw him. Awake, you dogs, roared Conan. Knocking aside the spear, the startled lookout thrust at his breast. Heave up the anchor, lay to the doors, give that fisherman a helmet full of gold, and put him ashore. Dawn will soon be breaking, and before sunrise we must be racing for the nearest port of Zingara. He whirled about his head the great jewel which threw off splashes of light that spotted the deck with golden fire. End of chapter 19